Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters and I am your host on this continued exploration of faith during this time of crisis. I am joined as always by the Archdeacon, the Reverend, I mean the Rector of our parish, Reverend Rodney Whiteman. And today we have two special guests because it is the Women's Day episode so we decided to have a few women on. I don't know how this will go, um, but Cleo <laughs> and Jessica, happy to see you here. How are you two doing today? Please introduce yourself. Cleo first. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. So I'm Cleo and Josephs, and I am a member of the parish. I'm also a teacher and a student, and I think that places me in a good position to um, be a female that leads with example. So that's me. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jessica Zoe, and I am a law student, and I'm a member of the St. George's College as well. And I think I will give a fresh perspective to whatever it is that you need to know. Awesome. Um, I did something very strange. I actually let everybody on the call know what I'm going to be talking about. I usually try and ambush the Archdeacon. <laughs> So this is going to, I've played my hand already. I don't know if this is going to backfire on me, but of course it is Women's Day. And I just want to know from Jessica first, what does Women's Day mean to you? Because like full disclosure, um, I don't really celebrate it because my mother passed away on Women's Day six years ago. So it's like not that great of a day for me. Um, but I found that the impact especially at the place where we are in South Africa regarding like gender-based violence and the failures of the government to address those sorts of things has kind of watered down the sentiment of the day. Um, what, what's your take on that, Jessica? Firstly, I would like to say I apologize for the passing of your mother on, on this day. And um, I really hope the Lord will be with you regarding that. However, my thoughts on this day is it is a tragic day as well as a day for hope and positivity. I mean, all those years ago, they marched the union, the women marched the union building for equal rights. And um, today, our rights are taken away by men so easily, so without a thought to, to anything else. So my thoughts on Women's Day in South Africa today it's just a sad occasion, but sometimes I have the thoughts that it could be occasion of, of happiness as well, of hope and positivity. I have mixed emotions regarding it. Yeah, that's that's generally what I've been picking up from, from, from a lot of people. Do you have anything, like, do you feel differently, Cleo, or do you agree, or what, what's your vibe on Women's Day? My vibe on Women's Day is that I think it's a very important day because... To an extent, we are showing men or teaching men how we should be treated. And whether that is equality in the workplace, whether that is domestically at home, how our sons would treat their mothers, or whether that's in society, on the street, um, assisting women in that way, not taking away from what men go through and the issues that they face, but you know, putting the spotlight on women and why they are so important and what we've come through to advance for the generations to come, for, for little girls who aren't able to fight for themselves or speak for themselves 
or behave in a manner that is appropriate um, in society or in the church or in the home. Father, um, just coming to you, hearing this, uh, I, I usually get, it's very emotionally taxing to hear these kinds of accounts because you, you feel like men have just let the entire country down. Um, and I mean, I try my best to set the positive example for my son and to celebrate my wife in as many ways as possible. I, like I was brought up by women, so I have fewer positive male role models in my life than I do female. Uh, so for, Father, where, where do you stand uh, as a man approaching Women's Day knowing that women feel like that? It's interesting how um, as much as you have new voices and new minds to the dilemma that women find themselves in, um, the scenario seems to stay the same. And why are men not changing? Generally um, If we are still sitting with a woman murdered or abused every 26 minutes, sorry, 26 seconds, then it means men are not listening. They're not taking in the message. Neither are they holding this conversation with each other so that mindsets can be challenged and thrown and lives can be thrown, attitudes can thrown. So somehow, we're still not reaching Somehow the message is floating inside this space or in other spaces where we move want to engage. How then can we address that? Is it that we need to do? Now, does it mean that we have to hear the voices of children and empower them to speak so that fathers, boys, and men as well, platforms are beginning to be for this change to happen. Because the expectation is, for example, put on women. Um, if they need to change the, the way they dress or the way they present themselves. So why are we as men not changing? Why are we still primitive in, in this regard? And what do we need as a mechanism to create things It's just what 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 should men be doing? What more should we be doing um, to put women at ease? Well, if you can interject, I think it comes down to the foundations of society in terms of the family with fatherlessness. That's one of the things, um, especially young men who are affected by fatherlessness. Mm -hmm. So some might struggle with women in authority, and so they could deliberately defy their mothers, their grandmothers, older sisters, aunts, because there isn't the male role in the household to actually show them the way that women should be treated and why authority from women is so important in terms of shaping that young boy into a young man and eventually someone who's going to be another woman's husband if, mm. if he's on the cards. And then I think 
to another extent, role models. So the type of role models we see in society and the type of flashy lifestyles that these young boys and men are exposed to, um, especially with the amount of time they spend in front of the screen. Yeah. So the things that they are watching that influences their behavior and the attitudes and this sets a type of um, stepping stone for how they will behave then, for example, in the classroom or if they are visiting family or friends, how they then interact with others. Mm. So I think it's got to do with fatherlessness. It's got to do with um, the influences that we are exposed to. And then I think to a certain extent, if um, young boys are not rooted in a church, for example, or in a foundational group, where they have that kind of support to talk about issues that is making them angry or that confuses them or that causes anxiety, then they don't have a proper outlet for that. So if they're not rooted somewhere where they are, um, are males who've been through these things and can speak with them in terms of the experience, mm -hmm. then they also end up making choices that have consequences that influence not only women, but men as well and ultimately themselves. So the whole body of Christ, to an extent, is then affected as a result of it. So I'm not sure if that that assists in, in why things stay the same, even though they change. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 fully, I fully understand that. Jessica, do you have anything to, to add to that? Like, what, what more can men be doing? Um, there's just two points. I just want to latch on to what Cleo said when it comes to no father figure around. And with that being said, um, what men can do more or how to prevent certain situations is mothers or older women figures, they tend to want to coddle men a little bit too much when it comes to that. They're a little bit more sensitive with men's feelings because they don't want to emasculate the boys mm. or the sons around them causing them to be men before the age when they still should be little boys. And because of that, they tend to grow up too fast and they start disrespecting female authority because they have this entitled sense of being a man when it isn't really their time. Um, because there is no father in the house or around, they have to assume the role of being the man of the house way too early in their life. And they start making decisions that is not fruitful to their futures. They start hanging with the wrong crowd and they start doing things that is a little bit too mature for their time. And the mothers, because of the, the pressure of allowing your son to be a boy and not a man, they just let it slide and they cover up for too many things. Mm. For example, um, if you are a single mother, you're raising a son, he comes home with a girlfriend, tomorrow, tomorrow he comes home with another girlfriend. Instead of setting the situation straight and preventing all these consequences, they let it slide. Mm. And the second point that I have is that too often men don't have a real safe outlet for them to express themselves because of you of being emasculate emasculated they feel that they have to keep all this in keep all this pain in all the anger in all the insecurities and just shove it away in a deep dark space and then they lash out on women sometimes because they see women as inferior so maybe just allow boys to be boys 
in a safe and healthy way and also allow men to speak about their feelings so that their anger is targeted at the situation but not at the people around him. Okay, awesome. Like, I'm really... I've never heard it quite articulated that way. Um, so I'll definitely take that to, to heart and try and pass on some of those lessons to like my friends and because we live in a world where men kind of just do what they want <laughs> and there's no recourse there's no nothing because of the way society is structured so there's never the the proper voices of dissent for lack of a better term um aimed at us so this is this is good to hear i mean like I try and have an open enough conversation with my wife, but I mean, that relationship is a lot more different. Um, so yeah, this, this was quite refreshing. But I think it is time to get into the meat of the matter. Um, and Father, if you could please call us together with the collective prayer, and then we can get into the liturgy. I greet you. In the words, of the, words of the gathering, my sisters and brothers, the Lord who restores us to us the joy of his salvation is with us. So we continue there for our service with the collect for this week. Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life, you call us to be forgiving and kind. Strengthen us by your grace that in communion with you, we may forgive one another and live in love as you love us. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and amen. Awesome. So everybody knows exactly what I'm going to be talking about. Um, the first reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25, and then carrying on to chapter 5, verse 2. But I'm going to focus mainly on verse 25 because there's a lovely... So last week we did mention, I did mention that um, Jesus was the prototype for what Christians should be doing. So if you just follow what Jesus said, you should be good. But then the apostles came along and they were like, nah, we're just going to tweak this a little bit. You know, it was the best thing that they could do at the time, that they thought they were speaking to a lot of people. They had to organize those churches um, in a certain way. So they started taking some leeway. So here you have in the gospel, which is according to John, verse 6 to verse, I mean, chapter 6, verse 35 to 41 and 51, where Jesus is like, Any, very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. So that's like, if you believe in me and you follow what I've been saying, you have eternal life. You are Christian. And then Paul is like, nah, there's a couple of rules here. So therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So... We have two women who have voiced their disappointment in men. And they have to sit 
in a church as part of a community with men, within a church that is also pretty much a patriarchy still. So how do women find their place in the church as it is and find a way forward where you can play a more active role in the community? Okay, so um, what I do want to say is that I think to a certain extent, um, so reverence stands in front, right, on the altar, is a male. However, as I've noted, the church wardens are a group of females. So to a certain extent, um, they stand squarely behind reverend and what it is that he stands for in terms of um, the day-to-day -day running of the church and the way that our church community comes together. So there is a space for us, even though it is having to be on the shoulders of a man, we have a certain extent that you can influence um, the males around us. I don't want to say with a whisper in the ear, I don't think it works like that. That doesn't sound too good. But I'm assuming that they sit around the table and everyone has something to bring to the table to make sure that we all eat well, if I can use that analogy. And then another thing is that for us at St. George's especially, well, we've stepped up already in terms of our bishop, who is a female coming from our church. And I would know this because I've been in the church for plus 20 years. So mm -hmm. I was quite young when the bishop was a priest at St. George's and seeing the way that she was leading the church then, being a young girl and looking up to this female, this woman who is basically running things and making sure that everybody gets to eat around the table. She's now stepped up a level and she's the bishop of the diocese and she's continuing with that leadership. So to an extent, even though we are surrounded by a patriarch, we've come out on top and we are able to influence not just women, but men. Now, for me, it's a little bit easier as well because I come from a household of four females, yes, and a male. So I have siblings who are girls, and um, then I have my father. So he's surrounded by four females, and it's quite inspiring and refreshing to see how my father advocates for females. It might not be out in a social public space, but it definitely happens in the home. And it always gets me when he wears this cap that I actually bought for my siblings and I to match. And on the cap, it says girl gang. But for some reason, he has um, taken both my siblings' caps and he wears it. And on it, it says girl gang. And every time when he wears girl gang, then I know he is advocating for women. People out there should see that this man stands for women. And I mean, how in any other way he's surrounded by four females so he's so influenced by us and vice versa we are influenced by him and how we believe men should behave because of the example that he set um mm. in the household the way that he treats my mom and the way that he treats us and we can see what we do like what we don't want to have in the men that we surround ourselves with so i do think there is a place for us and we've come out at the top to an extent um, by being females lead in the church and in the home and in our workspaces as well. Because yeah. those church wardens, they're not just leading in the church, but they've got families themselves and mm. they've got jobs themselves, whether they're sitting in the office at the church or whether they are running an organization in the church. 
um, they are to be seen and we see them and we see the way that they lead. And young girls look up to them and aspire to be like them, to fill those spaces eventually um, when they become available in the church, in the home, in the workplace, etc. Awesome. And Jessica, how do you position yourself? How do you find your identity within the St. George's community? Well, um, I was lucky enough to actually be baptized by Bishop Margaret when she was still a reverend. So I do realize the impact that she has. And it was amazing to be baptized by her because I was 13 when I decided to baptize myself. Mm. And the baptism class that she gave, I attended myself because my father couldn't make it. And it was so empowering because she spoke about equality at the baptism. And um, in regards to the males that is in church, I look up to me and all the other elders who happens to be male as not so not, not as a disappointment, but as a breath of fresh air when it comes to men. Men that doesn't disappoint the church and they offered us as women a seat at the table, allowing us to voice our opinions, not to be shut down or to be told that it's not that way. They gave us opportunity to be heard and also to be taken seriously. So that is where I find my place in church. The fact that we were offered a seat at the table and we're using it to the best of our advantage. Awesome. So, Father, hearing this um, and the discussions that we've had, my discussion, mostly my points, uh, where I say that the apostles kind of bastardize what the idea of Christianity is supposed to be, um, especially like Timothy and like those guys where they went crazy with all their rules that they were laying down. Uh, do you think that at this stage, with Paul speaking to, I mean, this is quite a general letter. Um, uh, do you think that there is an idea of including women in his idea of what the church should be? I, I certainly believe that with, with no doubt. Um, remember the translations that we read about, which um, mention it in the person of the male noun, is not necessarily a wholesome translation, uh, even though we have the understanding that these writers came from a patriarchal society with patriarchal mindset. Um, but um, I think it was a, a, you, you could not but be touched by how Jesus treated women and how he raised women uh, to uh, a level of equality. Uh, he, would, he was able to say daughter of Israel and that affirmed women uh, to, to level. I, I want to say that when you quote, um, as you said, very, very truly I say to you, those who believe have eternal life. So your belief, where and how can your faith be a life-giving faith? And when you place your faith in the lies and the voiceless to the position where they should be at, respect for life will be threatened. So it's not just about believing, it's that brings about the changes that are necessary for us to, to contribute to a life experience on this earth. And so drawing on that, the author to the Ephesians is saying to become a Christ 
has to know and embrace and work at. Put away falsehood. How do we discern what falsehood is in the light of women's day? It is false, therefore, to assume the kind of assumptions we are making about women. Um, the whole question of them being inferior is a lie. The, the whole question of the, the whole um, scenario around how they dress and that it's tempting and enticing is a lie. So, so it's, it's an inclusive message that is wanting to give life. Falsehoods have been the bullets of death. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. That gives power and platform to every voice in the church. And we cannot therefore silence. Then for we are members of one another. Recognize who you truly are. Because of sin, our sense of, of identity. Male is one side of the coin. And you cannot be male if you're never going to be, if you're never going to. So in other words, our language has become our enemy. Not language as such, the language we choose to speak. And the falsehoods and the lies and the disunity. When apartheid said we were not one with, with one another, here in the face of apartheid and the church, the author to the Ephesians said we are members of one another, baptized in the name of Jesus. So you have to be angry at what apartheid has done. And, um, but your anger must not lead you to something. So I think that the author's words and message is based on very truly, I tell you, if you believe, you will have eternal life. Because coming to faith in Jesus, who raised up, who did not miss the opportunity of giving women and children, who challenged the very uh, perimeters and principles of the systems that seem to govern our lives. And he, he, he draws up very truly, I tell you, if you really truly believe, then you will have eternal life. You'll be part of the life giving of God to the world. I greeted the congregation this week and last week with these words. To us, the joy of his salvation is with you. That's for me an important premise of how we need to begin to break down. Now, whilst we speak generally, what matters is in that moment where you are in whatever situation, are you believing enough to address the issues that you are confronted with? Are women that will be dissenting? Are, will I speak out as a man when I see a, a, a woman being um, accosted, um, 
and you know we are so it's so right we are groomed and shaped that we even fear to take the risk of speaking i'm i i failed in many regards when it came to that but this is what what i want to just place on the agenda of our conversation today wherever i have been a rector of a parish the ministries of women surface anybody assume that that you will hear a voice from the from the males coming to say sit nearer you yes. must come up and say that is my place whether you like that or not if you have an issue with it go and deal with your god has restored us by in the joy of his salvation so because of what he did i'm able to live in that space god is more feminine than male uh, because women have something about them that we men fear what women can bring to the table as a as a man under construction i'm truly honored to say hey, with the help of women that change is happening for me I mean, we I mean, we've discussed it before. We hold very similar ideas of like the role of our wives. Um, I think our wives are quite similar as well. Um, where, like, Monique can do absolutely everything that I can do, and a lot of it she can do better. Um, so yeah, I'm very grateful that I, I don't think I would have been happy with a more traditional idea of like a submissive wife. uh because i i don't i don't like carrying the burden of other people as well um but just just a a question a question to the two ladies i've always had this problem with jesus as a male figure so he says to close out this gospel like i am the living bread that came down from heaven whoever eats of this bread will live forever and the bread that i will give for the life of the world is my flesh would it be different jessica if jesus was a woman like what what is your picture of god um because i'm still of the belief that most people have this idea like your father is the prototype for god so like the way the relationship you have with your father the the image you have of your father that gets projected as your image of god so would you do you have a close relationship with jesus and would that relationship be different if jesus was a woman jessica i have the closest relationship with jesus than any other relationship i have in my life because i couldn't have made it this far without jesus and the image of jesus i don't really have one i see him as my savior um i guess out of habit i call jesus he male and i call god father out of out of habit but i don't think it would have been any different if it was a female i guess at the time when the bible was written, and um when all these miracles by Jesus took place it probably wouldn't have been he probably wouldn't have been as accepted if he was a female because that was the time of you know women was submissive they didn't have a say they were there to hold the babies and today's the kids and cook the food they didn't really have a say so i think christianity as a whole would have been different if Jesus was a 
female and not a male. So that is my view. Okay. And Cleo, do, how, how do you see God? Is God, does God have a gender? And then what's your relationship with Jesus like? And do you think you'd be closer if Jesus was a female? So, in terms of God having a gender, I assume God to be male gender. Only because to an extent, that's what I've been exposed and how I've been raised. So, in terms of having a father present in the home, then being in a church where we have had different priests come along, mostly male. So, um, that to an extent, also going to school and then seeing the types of male figures who I've had classes with going on to university and now in the workplace, the types of males that I am surrounded by. But mostly the household and the church has created a picture of what God is like. Because like you say, you assume that um, through your fatherly figure on earth, that is how you would interpret God to be. Um, that's where you draw that kind of um, the similarities and the differences. And I, I agree with that because I feel that who my father is and who I've seen in the church or who I've been exposed to in the church has kind of created the image of who God is and the characteristics that he embodies. So if my father got angry at me for something that I wasn't supposed to do, then I would assume God gets angry when there are things that I'm not supposed to do. But in the same way, if I do brilliant, amazing things and I break through barriers, the way my father would be proud of his daughters for doing that, I would assume the same way God would be proud for reaching those types of achievements and milestones and um, um, pushing barriers further. So for me, I do think that God is a male. Um, in terms of relationship with Jesus Christ, so like all relationships, it goes through seasons, it changes, and a lot of the time um, there are distances between yourself and those relationships. So in terms of distance between myself and Jesus at my own part where I would step away because of the things that I do and the sin that I find myself in, which kind of separates me from Jesus. However, that relationship has always been constant, whether I'm doing the right thing or whether I'm doing the wrong thing, whether I think I'm not going to make it to heaven because of that, this and the other, or whether I think I am going to make it to heaven because of this, that and the other, I think that it comes down to maintaining that that relationship when there's a dry season, when there's a cold season, um, when there's a blooming season, when it's a great season and the roots have really been watered, um, the seeds are growing. So, so that relationship is constantly changing. But what I like about the fact that it's constantly changing is that it's constant. Um, what I was saying was that the way I perceive Jesus in the New Testament and his relationships with females has really set the bar high for males, especially at that time, to think that a woman's place is, for example, in the home, in the kitchen, and that's it. She does not belong outside. She does not belong, for example, in the judge's court or on the street, manning a business, I mean, womaning a business, standing in front of the classroom, etc. So Jesus has really kind of broken through that barrier by being surrounded by women. I mean, he came from a woman, so why would he take away from women? He's there to add on to them. So um, if Jesus was a woman, and in terms of our relationship, I think I'd be much closer because, and I say this because, 
I am surrounded in a household by women. So automatically, the way I relate to females, it's easier than what I do relating to men. I don't have brothers. I have cousins and friends and so on. But that's about it. But my relationships with females tend to thrive better than with males, basically. And I think fathers also in our household, he's mostly surrounded by females. So for him, it's also been easy, I think, opening the door for females to have that place at the table. So if Jesus was a woman, I think I'd be much closer. I think Jesus would understand the moods, the things that come with being a woman, finding our place amongst men at the table as a woman. But, but I'm glad Jesus is a man, though. He's <laughs> there then to show men how to treat women, so, so that's a bonus for us. I like yes. that. I like that. Um, I, I am entirely fascinated with the idea of having a relationship with a deity that doesn't reflect who I am as a person um like that that's why i i i, I kept asking like would like what what the image of god is uh i i think if i was a woman i would be more comfortable gendering god as female so that i could then be entirely part of that relate like part of that identity because it, it it must be, and 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 I'm only speaking for myself with my own understanding of the world. It must be frustrating sometimes. Uh, correct me if I if I am wrong, um, Cleo. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I hear you. It's it's a good thing to think about. I I don't know what to say though. <laughs> And Jessica, like, like after everything that we've, we've discussed now, is there is there something that that you can identify with? Like, when, when I say that, is it frustrating for you now thinking of? Because I mean, we 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 go through life. We get taught out. Like my mom dragged me to church every single Sunday. Like, I I I I identify as agnostic right now. Um, because I've got to make up my own mind <laughs> about things. And there's some things in Christianity that just doesn't jive with me. And yeah, so like the entire experience has been shaped by somebody else. So now answering for yourself, is there a frustration, maybe somewhere deep down there that you've never acknowledged before, that God doesn't look like you? Oh gosh, that is a, a thought to think about. But to also the best of my ability, yesterday, Miss and I were having a, a very similar conversation. Uh, some things that can be a child without spirits. Um, but just a totally different um, topic. It can be really frustrating, but then again, I think there's one thing that Christianity and Christians have to be separated because sometimes the ideology ideology of what a Christian should be or following a follower of Christ should be stems from a, a miscommunicated view from from Christians where 
they suppress you into thought that um, aren't actually your own and you end up following them blindly and then when you open your eyes you realize that you've been wrong all this time for, for treating people a certain way or for thinking about certain situations a certain way and then you become angry. So I think it's important to just explore your relationship with Jesus and with God yourself and you will you will know and God will tell you what is that you is right and you separate yourself from that frustration, if that makes any sense. Hmm. No, I understand what you're saying there. Can I interject? Um, yeah, go for it. Please. Um, I think that's not what Jessica is saying. Um, seeing that God and Jesus is now not female, but we're looking at the, the deity and the image that we've been created yeah. in, we can also then take references from the Bible in terms of those who have had real experiences with Jesus as it is recorded in the Bible. And I think we can fill the gaps in that way. If you look at, for example, the way the woman was treated in terms of her prostitution, where they wanted to pass the stone and Jesus told them, but if you are without sin, then you cast the first stone. And so then that in that moment, what that woman was experiencing um, as Jesus was standing in the gap for her, we can mm. then latch onto that in terms of our own experiences and how um, the Jesus advocates for women. So the relationships that we learn about from the Bible in terms of what God was doing with these people, in terms of what God um, did with Jesus and what Jesus then came to do for us, I think we can draw from those relationships with real people in terms of then the three in one being a deity and an image, for example. Can I say something, Lindsay? And sure. then we can, then you can shut me up. <laughs> Just to say that with the lady in in adult caught in adultery was brought by the males. One of the things about that story that we, the adulterous man, the coward, who who slept with this woman and would not himself come out because he's so there's more to the story than 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 what we just read in words of the story whilst it's an important story to show how Jesus stood up for women but there's more to it what what what's this law that says a woman must be stoned was he married you know there are those nuances to the story that aren't written and yet they are there that's why I say shaped and formed not just by what we see, but by the mystery of life in life that is both external and internal. Because even though your mind thinks in the particular way, Lindsay, how I was saying to the I was saying to my children and wife the other day, if I get angry with you or if I out of the way with you, what does my mind just goes off? What am I at the core of my being that's giving me breath? Is that not saying, hey, you're way off now? You are, you are, you are acting in a carnal way. You're not allowing mystery to shape. Yeah, this, is, yeah, this has been a, a fantastic conversation that I've managed to turn onto myself once again. <laughs> I, I do that often. <laughs> it's a character flaw. Um, thank you very, very much, Cleo and Cleo Ann and Jessica Zoe. I'm so sorry. I heard the two of you 
mentioned both names right at the top, and I have not given the correct level of reverence to them. Uh, but thank you very, very much for your contributions. It has been refreshing to hear uh, the other side of the story, because this exploration of faith, faith is a is a human story. It's the story of human belief in whatever we believe in. Um, it's the hope of humanity, and it's good to hear it from another gender. I don't know what your pronouns are. Um, we live in a very fluid world. <laughs> but I, I yeah, I, I thank you very much for the value you have added to the conversation. Uh, Reverend, if you have any other points to add, and then a few other points of reflection in the praise of the church. This juncture we give, we pray for the new cabinet forming around our president and pray that they will indeed, with calm words, seek to build up and nurture our country to a better place. We ask God's help upon all who are ill. We continue to pray that God will bring healing to the COVID circumstances. Think of many in ICU and uh, we pray for them. Pray for the, those that have died and pray that they may find eternal rest and comfort to those that we ask God's blessings on all participating in the Olympics and ask that they may be protected from any harm. They will be helped to use their gift for the We ask God's blessings also on birthdays and anniversaries that God may by his strength continue to pilot your lives. And then we pray for serious redemption from violence of all forms. We ask God's blessings on our continent and all continents. In conclusion, we we give a blessing. My sisters and brothers go out and imitate God living in love. Put your hope in God's word. Let your own words be truthful and constructive. May sin rouse your anger. Never anger cause you to sin. Don't allow any room for evil. And may God always hear your voice. May Christ Jesus raise you to new life. May the Holy Spirit nourish you for the life of love. Go in peace with courage to love and serve.